Well, hey guys, I just want to welcome you here to Embrace across our campuses. Network Church is so excited that you are with us. My name is Adam. I'm one of the pastors here, just overjoyed, excited, uh, and pumped about what God has in store for every single one of us today. Uh, Well, back in 1983, there was one man who made a single decision that would end up impacting the lives of millions of people. It was during the Cold War, the man was named Colonel Petrov. He was a Soviet soldier who was in charge of protecting the Soviets from incoming nuclear warheads. Specifically, he was in charge of monitoring the airspace over the United States of America, watching satellites to see if any nuclear warheads were headed that way. Well, early one morning, September 26, 1983, Uh, alarms began to sound that there was in fact a nuclear warhead headed from the United States of America to the Soviet Union. Within a minute later, there was another warning that another warhead had been sent and yet another and yet another and yet another. And it quickly became clear that there was not only one warhead headed to the Soviet Union. Instead, there were five nuclear warheads. Well, at this specific time, the Soviet procedure for this specific alarm was a required full nuclear retaliation. The Soviet Union had over 35,000 nuclear warheads headed, basically, like focused at the United States of America. But Colonel Petrov, in the moment, decided to stop and wait on sending the nuclear warheads our way. He later shared it was a 50-50 guess. He sensed in his gut that something was off. To let you know a little bit about the Soviet Union at this time, three weeks earlier, there was a Korean airline that just so happened to cross over into Soviet airspace. Immediately, the airline was shot down. 260-some like passengers, civilians, lost their lives. The Soviets were known for doing anything but waiting. But Colonel Petrov, again, decided to wait, and for five agonizing minutes, the Soviets sat in wait, and yet, sure enough, Colonel Petrov was correct. He had made the right decision. It was a false alarm. Believe it or not, there was actually a strange weather pattern they had never seen before that showed up on the alarms as nuclear warheads instead of just a bad case of weather. It's believed that this one decision saved 35% to 77% of all American lives. Think about that. 1983, that includes me. 35% to 77% of all American lives. One newspaper wrote that this one man and this one decision saved the world. Talk about a ripple effect, right? Right now we're in a series called Ripple Effect. And a ripple effect, if you look it up in the dictionary, a ripple effect is a single action with a greater ongoing impact. But the heart of our series is talking about single actions which have greater ongoing eternal impact. And so in week one, we talked about giving, the simple act of giving and the ripple effect it can have. Week two, we talked about going. Last week, we talked about serving and contributing. Today, we are going to talk about the simple act of deciding, deciding, specifically the simple act of deciding to follow Jesus. And speaking of a ripple effect, I truly would argue that there is no greater impact, no greater ripple effect that can take place than the decision to follow Jesus, not only in the life of the person itself, but also in the lives of everyone around that person. And so today we're going to look at a specific story found in the book of Acts, and we're going to see this person 
really make the process of deciding to follow Jesus. And when it comes to the process of following Jesus across campuses, network churches, I'm guessing it looks slightly different from every, for every single one of us, but there are specific steps that we take when we do decide to follow Jesus ourselves. And so jumping into our story for today, I want to encourage us across campuses to open up our Bibles to the chapter, so the book of, eight, book of Acts chapter 8. Acts chapter 8, open up your Bible. We're going to be walking through this chapter for really the entire message today. So I just want to encourage you to open up, use your physical Bible, use the, the Bible on your phone, download the Bible app if you do not have it, but open it up to Acts chapter 8. Uh, just to give us a, some, uh, like, you know, up speed, bring you up into the story of what's taking place. The early church is growing like crazy. Literally thousands of people are deciding to follow Jesus. Every time I read through the book of Acts, what my heart cry is, is God, would you please do that again? In seminary, I can always remember we heard about awesome, powerful movements of God on basically every continent except our own. And I'm so, I'm just, I'm reading this week and I'm like, God, would you do this again? And so, so God is moving and he's using different people to take the name of Jesus into new countries Which brings us to a man named Philip. And Philip is one of the 12 disciples. And one day an angel of the Lord told Philip to get up and go. And to take one specific road from the city of Jerusalem down south to the city of Gaza. To take this one specific road, which was actually a desolate road that led through the wilderness. Take this one road from here to there. And so Philip does just that. And on his way there, he ends up crossing paths with an Ethiopian man. If you grew up in the church, you've maybe heard him referred to as the Ethiopian eunuch. To let you know one thing about a eunuch, eunuchs at this time were not allowed to worship God in the temple. But this Ethiopian man, he's riding in his carriage, and he was a dignitary for the queen of Ethiopia. So he's got high position. And picking up our story in Acts chapter 8, verse 28, here is what we find out. It says, seated in his carriage, the Ethiopian was reading out loud from the book of the prophet Isaiah, When the Holy Spirit said to Philip, go over and walk along beside the carriage, Philip ran over and heard the man reading from the prophet Isaiah. Philip asked, do you understand what you are reading? Now, one other thing to know about the Ethiopian man is that he was a religious man, and so he did religious things, and yet he did not know Jesus. He was religious, but he didn't know Jesus, and yet he was seeking He was seeking and he was curious and he wanted to know more. Specifically, he wanted to know more about the God found in the Old Testament. Whether he knew it or not, he was seeking after God. And he was curious and he wanted to know more and he was seeking after God himself. And so that's the Ethiopian man. But I just wonder, what does it look like for us to seek after God? What does it look like for you and I to seek after the Lord? Well, maybe for you, like the Ethiopian, one day for you, you randomly decided to pick up your Bible and start reading. You've had your Bible since you were a little kid, but you'd never read it, never seen another person read it. But one day, you randomly picked it up and began to read it, and you were seeking. Maybe for you, you had a coworker that you found out was a Christian, And unlike all the other Christians you knew who were uptight, judgmental, and they thought they knew everything about everything, this specific co-worker was filled with grace, was filled with love, was filled with peace and patience, and you were drawn to know more about the God that they followed and you were seeking. Maybe for you it was a funeral, and you'll never forget looking at the body of your loved one in the casket. 
realizing how fragile life is, realizing the finality of death itself. And in that moment, you began to seek. Or maybe for you, one night, you were on Google and you can't even believe what you were doing. You started searching churches. Never ever wanted to go to a church. You actually were repulsed, repelled from churches. And yet you were seeking churches. Maybe for you, your life was so perfect. It was so perfect. And yet internally, you were miserable and you were seeking. Maybe for you, one day you randomly began to pray. And as the words came out of your mouth, you were shocked that you, of all people, were praying. A while back, something I'll never forget, I had an atheist man, and he knew that I knew he was an atheist, and he asked me if I would pray for his dad. His dad was battling cancer. I said, I'd be honored to pray, and then I followed up by saying, and this does not make you a very good atheist, asking me to pray. (laughs) And you see, these small moments, these small moments, they might appear to be very simple moments, and yet they're actually supernatural. These small moments, you might think it's really, really simple. I'm just kind of open up my Bible. I would argue it's actually a very supernatural thing because you're about to hear about the God who created the heavens and the earth. And going to church, it was just kind of simple and really innocent, and I was just going to sit back. It was a really, really simple thing. Whether you knew it or not, it was actually supernatural because our hope is that you would encounter the living God himself, that you would sense that something is different here and that something different wouldn't be a speaker, it wouldn't be a worship, music, anything else. Instead, something different would be God would be the Holy Spirit. And so again, I don't know what seeking looks like for you, but but here's what's wonderful, an awesome promise. Our God, he tells us over and over again that when we seek him, we will find him. He's not a God who tries to hide. Instead, when we seek him, we will find him. So continuing on at the story, starting again in verse 31, here's what the Ethiopian man says back to Philip. He says, how can I understand unless someone instructs me? And he urged Philip to come up into his carriage and sit with him. And then they begin to read through verses, specific verses in Isaiah, getting to verse 34. The Ethiopian eunuch asked Philip, tell me, was the prophet talking about himself or someone else? So beginning with the same scripture, Philip told him the good news about Jesus. Again, the Ethiopian, he starts with seeking and then he moves on to hearing and he begins to hear the news about Jesus. Philip begins to tell him that like a lamb, Jesus took on our mistakes. He took on our sin. He took on our our brokenness, our regrets. Jesus died and on the third day he was raised from the dead. And because of this, Jesus offers us a brand new life. He offers us a brand new start. He offers to hit reset on our lives. And the same Jesus, he invites us, even an Ethiopian eunuch that's not allowed to worship in church, he invites every single one of us, that anyone who believes in him, invites every single one of us to come and follow him. Once more, the Ethiopian, he hears the news about Jesus. And let me just tell you, the news about Jesus, it's not just okay news. And it's not just so-so news. I just have to apologize. If the news I've ever said on a Sunday has put you to sleep, I, I, I must have been lying to you. If growing up in the church, you heard about the so-so news about Jesus on their pastor's behalf, you were lied to. It's not so-so news. It's not okay news. Instead, it's the greatest news that's ever been told. Greatest news that's ever been told. See, Jesus, he's the one who makes the lost person found. He's the one that's able to make the restless, can't-sit-still person who seems really successful, yet they're miserable, he's able to make that person whole. Jesus is able to make a dead person come back to life. He's able to make the sinner a saint. He's able to set the addict free. 
He's the one that's able to take the broken pieces of our lives and somehow, some way, supernaturally put them back together better than they ever were before. I mean, do you seek purpose? Well, hear this. Jesus has a plan for your life. Are you seeking to numb pain, seeking to numb hurt, seeking to numb the restlessness? Well, hear this. Our God, he is a great healer and sustainer. Are you seeking love any place that you can possibly get it? If I can just get with this another guy and another girl, if I can just sleep with her, if I can just do that, and maybe I married the wrong person. If I can, if I can, if I can, if I can, if, if I can just get the validation from my old man finally once for life, if I can just be successful in his eyes, hear this, our God, he loves us for who we are, not what we do. And his love, it endures forever. That's good news. I just look at this Ethiopian man and I see a man longing to hear more about Jesus. He's seeking, and so he's like, Philip, would you come into my carriage? Would you tell me a little bit more? Is Isaiah talking about himself, or is he talking about someone else? Because I so badly want to hear about him. He's seeking. I just want to know a little bit more about this God from Isaiah. Like, he's, he's seeking, and I just so badly want to hear about Jesus. So the Ethiopian, he seeks and he hears, and then picking our story back up in verse 36, here's what we're told. It says, as they rode along, they came to some water, and the Ethiopian eunuch said, look, there's some water, why can't I be baptized? Verse 38, my favorite part of the story, it says this, the Ethiopian, he ordered the carriage to stop. He ordered the carriage to stop. I love this. The Ethiopian, he commands his carriage to stop. As a dignitary on behalf of the queen of Ethiopia, he's not suggesting the carriage to stop. Instead, it's a, it's a military term. He is ordering, he is commanding this carriage right now to stop. And in this moment, he decides. The man, he decides. He makes the decision not just to hear about Jesus, but he wants to follow Jesus. Again, he commands, he orders the carriage to stop, and he decides to follow, follow Jesus. Great story, right? I'd, all, I'd argue that it's also so true of our lives. Before Jesus, we're just kind of cruising through life, aren't we? On our way from one city to the next, not even sure what city we're headed to. We've got our plan. We, we're preoccupied with all kinds of crap going through the rat race called life that we do every single day, striving for who knows what, trying to impress people we secretly hate, trying to do and, and to fix, and I'm going to accomplish, and I'm going to conquer, and I'm going to make somebody love me, and we're just on this, this train that we can't get off, going from one place to the next. And, and, and in life, every so often, there's these moments, though, that from, the, from our core in, they just come to the surface in us, and all we find ourselves doing is stop. Just stop the carriage. Like, just stop. I'm, I'm just so tired of this rat race. Like, what am I doing right now? Who am I trying to, like, please? What am I, what am I trying to strive and accomplish here? Again, every so often, there's just those moments where, like, I'm just so tired of it. Like, just shut up and stop. And in these moments, we were faced with a decision. It's like, are we going to get back up in the carriage and continue on? The road to who knows where, and I just had a really rough moment. I just had a breaking point. I'm sorry that I had to wait. I'm just going to get back in the carriage because I'm perfectly fine. Are we going to get back in the carriage, or are we going to decide to follow Jesus? Again, those moments where it's like the rat race, you just have enough stuff. Faced with a decision, am I going to get back up into the carriage thinking I'm in control, even though I'm not in control of anything? 
Or am I going to freely surrender control to the one who's in control of all things? What decision will we make? Back in the, 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 the carriage, the chariot, or to follow Jesus himself? What's more, the Ethiopian man, he's seeking and he hears and he decides, he commands, he orders his chariot to stop and declares, I want Jesus. And then continuing on in verse 38 again, here's what we find out. Once more, the Ethiopian man, he ordered the carriage to stop and they went down into the water and Philip baptized him. It's like the moment the Ethiopian man spots water, he can't get baptized quick enough. He spots water, stop, I'm getting baptized. To be clear, he's already made the decision. In his soul, he's already decided, I don't want to just hear about Jesus. Instead, I want to follow Jesus through the act of baptism. He's just wanting to publicly declare the decision he's already made. Again, and the decision is already done. He just wants to go public. He wants to let everyone know the man that's riding, driving the carriage, the Philip, God himself, anybody who's around him. He wants to publicly declare, making it crystal clear that I am following Jesus from this moment on. That's baptism. A little more about baptism. Baptism is a symbol. There isn't anything special about the water alongside that specific road. It was most likely kind of nasty water, okay? It's just, it's just a symbol of something taking place in the heart, and it symbolizes being washed of sin, forgiven of our sin, forgiven of our mistakes, our regrets. It's a symbol of receiving the Holy Spirit, of, of having God dwell inside of us, not just, not just worshiping him here and then leaving, kind of leaving him behind. Instead, like asking him and inviting him to dwell within us. It's a symbol of being adopted as a child of God. More simply, it's a way of just publicly declaring, I have decided to follow Jesus. In many ways, baptism is like married people with, with wedding rings. A wedding ring can be really, really powerful. It can be a strong symbol. I rarely, if ever, take my wedding ring off. It's just, it, it's just on there. But a wedding ring, a ring, doesn't make a person married. It's like if I gave this to somebody else, it's not like all of a sudden they're married to my wife. It's like, give me my ring back along with my wife right now in the name of Jesus, you know? <laughs> it's just a symbol, though, of God's unending love, just like a circle. And that the promise that we've made, not just to the other person, our spouse, but also to God himself, this is baptism. It's just a way of declaring from this day forward or 20 years ago when I started following Jesus that I am publicly following him. It's just a way of publicly doing so. And so again, we seek and we hear and we decide and then we get baptized. Now going back to the heart of our series, we're talking about a ripple effect and the crazy impact that can be made from one single action. And when it comes to deciding to follow Jesus, all throughout the book of Acts, people are doing just that. People are making decisions to, to follow Jesus and they're getting baptized. And they're making decisions to follow Jesus and they're getting baptized. And a ripple effect starts. Literally thousands of people are deciding and they're getting baptized and they're following Jesus. And a movement begins. Even in the country of Ethiopia, this is powerful. Philip brought Jesus to this Ethiopian eunuch who has been credited for bringing Jesus to the entire country of Ethiopia, a country which to this day is a Christian country. Talk about a ripple effect, right? 
But again, thousands of decisions and baptisms are happening in the book of Acts and this movement, it grows and it would spread and a a ripple effect would take place and it would transform the world. Why? Because it transformed people. It transformed the world because it transformed people. It transformed, for those of us that are followers of Jesus, it transformed us and from this day forward, it should transform everything we come in contact with. It should transform our home. It should transform the blocks that we live our work, our relationships, our marriage, it should just transform everything to become a little bit more like Jesus, like we're just this light and everything we come in contact with is just made new again. And I don't know about you, but as I said earlier, I personally don't want to just hear about ripple effects and read about movements of God in the Bible. Instead, it's like, God, would you please, through this broken, imperfect church called Embrace, would you move again? Would you move in such a way that only you can get the credit? Would you move in such a powerful, supernatural way that they wouldn't talk about churches or pastors or whatever and said they'd only talk about the name of Jesus? I don't want to just read about movements of God and ripple effects. Instead, I want to see them take place. I just want to to share one, one story of a person from our church, someone who decided to follow Jesus and got baptized last fall. And the impact it's not only had on them, but the life around them. Her name's Ricky. Uh, She's a young mom that attends our Sartoma campus. And um, when she signed up to get baptized, here's what what she filled out last year. She said, at age 11, I was baptized at my little church in my little town. And I had absolutely no clue why. I had almost no knowledge of the Lord, but my mom wanted my siblings and I to do it. Well, my mom and dad passed away two years apart from each other. About two years after my baptism, Ricky would have been 13. It was a time in my life that I should have been running to God, but I was too busy being mad at him. Ever had one of those moments? You should be running and you're just like angry. As I got older, Ricky went on to share, I learned about God's grace and I've learned that he is love, and I truly want to make the outward expression and get baptized to show what I'm feeling inside in my heart. I truly believe that God has had my back in every situation, and getting baptized and washed by the water will be a visual representation that I have fully trusted and believe in his plan. This is Ricky right here. Kind of cool, since that time about a year ago, um, she basically did what we talked about last week, jumping in and serving and contributing. Ricky's serving in so many different ways. One specific way, though, is with the youth at Sertoma. She's a volunteer group leader, now pouring into a whole bunch of teen girls' lives, pouring in them, telling them about the grace and love and truth found in Jesus. Wonderful, right? Powerful stuff. Well, today, I, I want to close by asking three basic questions. And the questions are for all of us across campuses, myself included, network churches. Three simple questions. First question I just want to ask is actually the most important question you'll ever have to answer or wrestle with. Have you decided to follow Jesus? Not someone else, you. Not your kid, not your spouse, your friend, your coworker here with you, but but you. Have you decided to follow Jesus? To be clear, I'm not asking if you decided to faithfully attend a church. That's awesome, but that's not what I'm asking. I didn't ask if you were baptized as an infant. That's wonderful, but that's not what I'm asking. If you made it through catechism, confirmation, you've tried to be a good person, all those things are fantastic, but that's not what I'm asking. Have you decided to follow Jesus? Have you asked him to be the leader of your life, the Lord, which means the one in control? 
If you acknowledge before him that you've made mistakes, you've regrets, that you have sinned and that you need his forgiveness. Have you asked him and invited him, his, his spirit, God's spirit, Holy Spirit to enter and fill you from the inside out? Have you said yes to Jesus' invitation to come and follow him? If you've never done so, I, I can't think of a better day to, to do so. And maybe like the Ethiopian today, even right now in this moment, just like, like he did, it's just like, stop. I just stop. I'm, I'm done. I'm, I'm tired. I'm ordering. I'm not asking or suggesting. I'm ordering. I got this power to do so. I'm saying stop. And I'm going to follow you, Jesus. I want you to be the leader, the Lord of my life. I have clearly sinned. No one has to convince me of that. I need your forgiveness and grace and mercy. God, Holy Spirit, I'm not even sure what it means, but would you fill me? Because I sense something different. And here each week when I come, I sense something different and then I leave and it feels like it disappears. And so God, would you dwell within me and would you come with me? Would you be with me? Would you lead my life? Again, the first question, have you decided to follow Jesus? We're going to pray here in a second if that's you. Second question, if you have decided to follow Jesus, maybe right now you're like, I'm doing that, okay? I'm doing that. Or maybe you decided to follow Jesus 20 years ago. If you've decided to follow Jesus, second question, have you been baptized? Have you publicly declared it? Have you just said, like, I, don't, I, I want to publicly declare through this act of baptism that I am I'm his I'm, I'm following him. I'm no longer my own. I'm getting baptized, or maybe you were baptized as an infant and you want to reaffirm it as an adult. You're like, I want to like fulfill what my mom and dad prayed years ago like for that I would take this covenant and make it my own. Maybe you need to do that. Again, have you been baptized? If not, I can't encourage you enough. Put on the ring. Get baptized. At all campuses right now in your chairs, there should be these cards. I just want to encourage you to take that out. And I just would encourage you, if you're on the fence at all, like, fill it out. Get baptized next weekend. is Baptism Sunday, one of my favorite weekends every single year. We have it a couple times each year. Sign up. Even if next weekend does not work, we'll, we'll let you know about the next weekend that does. Fill this out. Just put your name on the side. I'm interested in more information about being baptized. I cannot encourage you enough to take that step. Publicly declare it. A few years back, I actually did this myself. I was baptized as an infant, and I reaffirmed my own baptism. And I have to be honest, I, I worried it was too late for me. Like, can a pastor get baptized? And yet I'm so glad it wasn't too late for me. It's not too late for you. It's, 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 it was scary. I felt awkward, especially being a pastor. And yet I'm so glad that I, that I took that step. So those are the first two questions. Have I decided to, be, to follow Jesus? Have I been baptized? And then the last question... For those of us who have done those two things, I just want to ask if you've been faithful. Have you been faithful? It'd be easy to hear this message and think, gosh, this is a really good message. I wish I would have invited my coworker. I wish I would have, he's a new Christian. He doesn't know Jesus. I so badly wish that I would have brought them. Let me just be crystal clear. This message is for every single one of us, including me. Have you been faithful? Have you ever met someone that's still married? They got a wedding ring, but the marriage is dead. It's like the marriage is gone. We're still wearing the ring, though. I think spiritually so often we do that as followers of Jesus. It's like I'm still wearing the ring, but my relationship with God, it went cold a long time ago. Are you still seeking 
That's not just for new Christians or non-believers. Are you still seeking daily? I just want to seek a little bit more about you, God. Are you daily hearing? I just want to hear a little bit more from you, Lord. I want to spend just a little bit more time in your word. I, I want to spend a little bit more time talking, but more than that, listening when I'm praying. I want to hear from you. Are you daily deciding to follow Jesus? There's the initial decision, but it's not just a one-time thing. Instead, every single day, we decide to daily follow him. Daily decide to follow him. Again, I pray we wouldn't just wear rings, but we'd actually be married. I pray we wouldn't just be baptized and make a decision, but it, our walk with him would be completely alive. One more time. Have you decided to follow Jesus? Have you been baptized? Have you been faithful? I'm going to pray here, and uh, if one of those three things is you. Just speak the words internally in your own soul and speak them to God. I can't think of a better decision to make any of these three things in today. So let's pray. Gracious Father, Heavenly King, we love you so much. We love you so much. We're so thankful for this good news about you. It's not just so-so news. It's not okay news. It's the greatest news. For those of us who are making this decision to speak these words in your own heart, Jesus, I need you. I need you. It's clear that I've made mistakes. I'm a sinner, God, and I'm in need of your forgiveness. Jesus, today, would you, starting today, would you be the leader of my life? Would you be the Lord? You're in control. I'm terrible at being in control. Would you be the Lord of my life? God, would you fill me with your Holy Spirit? Even if I don't physically sense it, God, would you remind me? Would you, like, speak it over me, God, that I am now made new? I'm a new creation in you. From this day forward, I want to follow you every single day for the rest of my life. For those of us who are on the fence about being baptized, God, would you, would you move in us? Would you give us the courage to fill this card out and to take this step way out of our comfort zone? Would we go public with what you've done in our lives? Maybe we, we've been following you for a few years now. It's not too late. Would we go public, God? Would you just give us the courage to take this step if we're sensing it, that you just, just lead us, almost hound us today until we fill it out? Lastly, would we be faithful, God? Would this be the sweetest season of our relationship with you, just seeking after you, that we would get into your word, not because it's requirement, but because we want to hear more about you, more about your love, your grace, your mercy. I pray our, our marriages with you would be on fire, God, that we wouldn't just go through the motions, instead we'd just be on fire for you, just wanting to be with you. God, would you use us to be a light to the world around us? Would we be used to transform everything? If there's a part of us that we've claimed it's just who we are, if it's different than who you are, God, it's not who we are. We're new creations. Would you change even that? Would you complete a work in us? Lord, we love you. We thank you. We pray all these things in the name of Jesus. All God's people said, amen, amen.